This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join in on the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode or any other, please join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type Babel, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, this is Tucker Smallwood from Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, Boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm your host, Floyd Dorsey, and I'm joined, as always, by the chief engineer and co-pilot, Brandon Shea Matala. How you going? How's it going, Brandon? Mm, I'm doing very, very good. Have you tried these potatoes? They're delicious. <laughs> yeah, I just don't... I'd rather just eat the food that's on my plate, though, you know, and you not eat the food that's on my protein. plate. Right. And joining Brandon and I is one of Warp 5's associate producers, Justin Oser. Welcome back, Justin. Hi, really happy to be here again on Warp 5. Uh, So last time you were on and we talked about Beyond with uh, Jeff Harlan was also on here with us. And we kind of had to just kind of get into that because we weren't really sure how big of a show that was going to be. But usually what I like to do is I like to ask new guests about their Star Trek and Enterprise experience, but we didn't really have time last time. So I kind of want to make up for that this time and let and find out where did you get your start in Star Trek? Like when did you know, really remember watching Star Trek? And then when do you think that you become a fan? Yeah. So for me, the first Star Trek I remember watching was uh, Star Trek six, the undiscovered country in the theaters when I was a kid, I, I liked it, but it didn't really spark any, any fandom or, wanting to really go too much further. I did catch an, uh, a season of Voyager in first run when I was in high school. Uh, I do remember seeing a DS9 episode when I was in college. Somebody showed it to me. So there were a couple of times when I'd seen Star Trek and different incarnations, but when it really kind of kicked in for me and I became a fan was after I saw Star Trek 2009. And that made me want to go back and see what I had missed. So I watched TNG all the way through a couple of times. Um, I went on to DS9 and then Voyager and Enterprise. So the first time I saw Enterprise was actually in 2015, and I I liked it a lot. It's uh, definitely one of my favorites. Cool. All right. So you you caught it on the Netflix or just like uh, after the fact? Absolutely. So I... I think when Enterprise was out from 2001 to 2005, I had absolutely no awareness that it was out there. <laughs> None at all. <laughs> I, I hear that because it was, it was actually hard to find it even if you had the channel. 
you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, it was a ratings failure and all this. But if it would have been syndicated or if it had been shown wide enough, like TNG was or like DS9 was, more eyes would have seen it. And like you probably would have heard of it, you know. Yeah, I didn't even hear of it. And for me, I was just coming out of college in, in 2001. And I think I was focused on making sure, you know, I got a job and, and I got a place to live and I could, you know, start my life. So uh, it wasn't something that was in my consciousness at, at all. And really, you know, Star Trek only kind of came back into my consciousness when I, I met my wife in, in 2004. And she had already been a big fan for a lot of her life. And I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure about it, but but it, when we went to see 2009, for some some reason that sparked something in me, and I wanted to really go back and and see what I would missed. And I I started with TNG because that was my wife's favorite, and I just kind of went from there. And I I loved TNG from the beginning, and just kind of kept going. Well, why do we have Justin on here? Let's get his wife on the show. <laughs> What's going on here? She's the real fan. I know she's been a fan for for longer than I have. She was a fan. Uh, she saw TOS in the reruns in the '70s. She saw the motion picture in the theaters, and I think she saw all the different incarnations as they came out. But by this point, I've I've uh, kind of made Star Trek such a huge part of my life. It's actually a bigger part of my life than it is her life at this point. Although she does still very much love Star Trek. You love Star Trek, but you like your wife. <laughs> I love both. <laughs> That's very a Deep good. Space Nine reference very for good. the boomers out there. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't remember <laughs> Enterprise being that hard to find the episodes when it originally aired. I don't remember that. Everybody says how hard it was to find, but I remember watching it every week, you know, and I don't remember missing any episodes. Mm. I don't know. But you had been a fan of Star Trek before oh, that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see, that's the difference. For me, I wasn't a Star Trek fan at the time, so I wasn't even thinking about it or where to find no, it. No, no, no. I don't think I was even watching much on, on TV at that point. Anyway. What I mean is Floyd saying with ratings and how you couldn't even find it on TV because the schedule was changing. Is what I meant is like, it was always, as far as I remember, I had no issues finding it on the satellite and or whatever I was watching at the time. And, you know, I just well, was watching it. Like I was watching it in a big market. So I was in Dallas and the channel that we had also had like Mavericks and Rangers baseball. So if there was ever a game, they always preempted, always. Mm -hmm. And then they would end up showing the first run of the episode. They might show it at like midnight, you know, the next day or something like that. So it was, it was kind of, I don't know, it was, it was difficult. It was difficult for me. And I was, I was a basketball coach at the time. So I had basketball practices and we had games and it seemed like they would change the schedule to where we had whatever night that week we had games you know, and I tried to set the uh, VCR back in those days, the VCR to record. And then I'd come home to try to watch it. And there'd be like, you know, wrestling had run over by 20 minutes, you know, and I didn't get the whole episode or baseball's doing something, you know, or they went long or they started early or something like that. I don't know. It was just, it was difficult. I guess, I guess it could just depend on where you are, because I think of when Mike Schindler has talked about a lot of times how he found it impossible to catch DS9 in Chicago because they'd always preempt it with Cubs games. So I think it just depends where depended back then where you were. One of the many reasons why you should, should be moving yep. to Canada. Consistent Star Trek. <laughs> and unless there's care. hockey, unless there's hockey on, right? Unless there's <laughs> yes, hockey unless there's on hockey and then on. forget it, right? Right, right. 
So for this episode of Warp 5, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. And there are many ways for you to do that. The best way to join the larger discussion is in the Babel conference. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, and you can join in all the fun. And also, any of you out there that are on Twitter, you can find us at Trek FM and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and record a message and leave it to us. Another really cool way that you can contact us about today's show or any other shows is to leave us an email. You can go to our website at trek.fm slash contact, choose send to a show and select warp five and that'll come right to us. And I have a warp five email to read before we get started today. So this is from Rebecca Skipper and she says that she's stationed at space dock. So Rebecca is taking care of the ships, I suppose. Uh, she says, I watched Enterprise much later. I don't agree with Archer's actions in season three, but every captain has their faults. I think this was in response to um, the episode where we had Richard Marquez on talking about why Archer's awesome. Okay. Yep. So uh, she said that Picard is her favorite captain, but nearly put his pride before crew in first contact. She said that Janeway broke nearly every Starfleet regulation in Equinox. Maybe. Uh, Janeway tried, I mean, the whole reason that we had Voyager was because she didn't want to break the prime directive. And then I think people could probably pick out a lot of other times that she did also. She broke it. One or two. Right. One or two words. And then she mentioned, Rebecca mentions Kirk and says that Kirk abandoned Khan and killed an entire Klingon crew. And that he visited an alternate timelines just to study history without considering how his presence affects the timeline. Kirk, did he go back in time? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Assignment Earth when he goes back to just. Yeah, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, they actually say that we're here to observe history or like historical, uh, historical, uh, what do they call it? Like events. I guess maybe that's what they said. Uh, She mentioned Cisco. Uh oh, Brandon. She meant she's got Cisco here. He says Cisco's that he, the man. he lies to get the Romulans involved in the Dominion War. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> he does what he has right. to do. I mean, I think Brandon and I are on the same page. That uh, well, I wouldn't say he's the absolute best, but he's tied for me with Picard. He, I, I love Cisco. I, I like Cisco also. Um, and then she's Rebecca goes on to say, yet I like all of these captains, though Picard is my favorite. In fact, Archer matures more in four seasons than most captains. I love to see Archer grow as a leader and his crew followed as well. Picard, for the most part, is the type of commander I would follow and Archer is the type of commander that I cheer for because of the nature of his mission and what is at play. Humans have to prove themselves to the Vulcan high command. Seeing Archer and humans take the lead and form the Federation is ironic, given how many doubted their capabilities initially. Thanks for a fun and engaging show. Please do more crossover episodes. They're so much fun for me as a listener. Thank you so much, Rebecca. That You gave us a lot of feedback there. We were actually asking on that at the end of that show for people, their, their listeners' uh, feedback and what, who was their favorite captain and how did the captains actually rank and how did Archer stack up to their captains. So thank mm-hmm. you so much, Rebecca. Yeah, and Rebecca, we just want to apologize that it took so long to get back to you with the email, because just to let everybody know out there, I think we've mentioned a couple times, but how we record is we record, we're releasing every other week, but we actually record both episodes in one night just to save us some time, and then I edit them as we go. So if you send the email in that time period shortly after the episode drops or something like that, we may 
unfortunately forget about your email and it may be a little bit of a, a delay. In fact, we've got another email here uh, that I want to read that came into us from, we actually have a new associate producer on the show as well. Uh, his name is Mark Flessa and he sent an email to Trek FM back in June. And again, Mark, sorry that it took so long to get back to you, but it says, to Chris and the Trek FM crew, for the past four or five years, I've been listening to podcasts on a regular basis, namely podcasts about two of my passions, Tolkien and paleontology. A year or two later, I finally decided to branch out and search for some Trek-related podcasts. The first one I decided to listen to was Warp 5, mainly because I've been a staunch defender slash supporter of Enterprise from the very beginning and was happy to see that there were other fans out there. Ever since then, I've been hooked on Trek FM listening to Warp 5, The Ready Room, Earl Grey, The Orb, To The Journey, Standard Orbit, Hyper Channel, From There To Here, Commentary Trek Stars, Saturday Morning Trek, and Stage 9. I've been a huge Trek fan since I was a little kid. I have a photo of me dressed as Jordy for the first Halloween costume I ever got to pick out myself. But before I listened to Trek FM, my fandom, while never for a second snuffed out, was in a rut. Ever since I listened to that first Trek FM podcast, Trek has become a bigger and better part of my life. So last month I finally took the plunge and donated to Trek FM's Patreon page. Even though I'm a lifelong Trekker, I'm not the most tech-savvy guy, and I've never donated to anything like Patreon before. So far, I've not been able to join in on the Patreon Roundtable discussions because of his work schedule, but I hope to do so in the near future. So that's awesome, uh, Mark. We really appreciate your email. And you know what? I've said it here, too. My fandom was basically dead when I found Trek FM as well. Like my, I, hadn't, I hadn't watched an episode of Star Trek in a decade before I found Trek FM. You know, after Enterprise went off the air, I bought the DVDs, I watched them all, and that was the last time I watched any Trek. You know, so... You know, Trek FM's been a great thing for a lot of people, so I'm glad you found the network for sure. And thanks for supporting us here on Warp 5. We really appreciate it. Yes, Mark, thank you so much for being our new associate producer. Welcome aboard. Welcome to Warp 5. So for this episode, Boomers, we're going, Brandon, Justin, and I are going to share our top three favorite Phlox moments. So this was a challenging assignment. I, I just kind of just threw this out, idea out there to Brandon. It was like, hey, uh, let's do, uh, we need to do some quick, we need to do a quick episode in July. And I was like, Hey, let's do a flocks moments. Oh my goodness gracious. The time spent trying to narrow this down to three was ridiculous. Justin, did what kind of, did you have any trouble or did you just have them right away? Well, there were some that I thought of, I mean, for, for me, this is the first time I've done an episode like this where it's, you know, choosing a top three instead of talking about a theme or an episode or something like that. So, so I thought, I really need to have more than three for honorable mentions and in case you guys pick the, some of the same ones that I have. So for me, it, it took a while. I mean, I had some ideas. It took a while. I needed to, to find those moments and make sure that I know them in the context of the episode and then keep building it up. So um, I've actually got seven moments, but uh, you may not hear all of them, but I've got a top three and, and some, some honorable mentions and others in case you guys pick some because I think that for for flocks there's there's lots and lots of great moments and he's actually my favorite character on on enterprise mm -hmm. so I, I i love doing the research for this and you know watching some clips and things yeah i love him too i think he's my favorite character on enterprise as well but uh it, it was tough narrowing down too but i got three um three top three and well sorry three for my top three and then three honorable mentions myself as well but yeah flocks is great and there's, there's a lot of fun parts with him well, I I wrote down three things that came to mind like right away. Like when I thought of flocks, what are the first three three things I think of? 
And those are the ones I wrote down. But I put this question out on Facebook this afternoon and a lot of listeners gave us their favorite flocks moments. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh yeah, that's a good one. I should have wrote that down. But I went ahead and went with the first three that I had. This doesn't mean probably that it is my favorite because flocks is probably after thinking about it, it's probably my favorite character. Like he is, he has got so much going on in this series. John Billingsley just did an amazing job with this character and the writers actually, they knocked it out of the park, like the perfect actor. And it was written right for this character and this actor. I think he did really well. So Justin, go ahead and kick us off with your moment. Number one, what do you have on for us? Okay. So the, the first moment I have comes from an early episode fight or flight, which is the first episode after broken bow and uh flocks and, and trip are in the mess hall. <sighs> Uh, they're they're talking about oh sounds like I took one of Brandon's already. Uh, that's why it's good to go first sometimes. <laughs> so so they're in they're in the mess hall and they're having this this conversation, and I just love what Flock says. I'll 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 just quote a few lines here. Um, so Flock says, "Every moment's been an adventure for me. Humans are so unpredictable. Have you seen the quantities of food Crewman Nemad consumes? Not really." Have you smelled Ensign Socorro after she exercises? She gives off a fragrance not unlike the adrenal gland of a Nausicaan. And crewmen Bennett and Hainem over there, do you see them? If I'm not mistaken, they are preparing to mate. Do you think they might let me watch? <laughs> and Tucker says, it's good to see you're enjoying yourself. I love that. Always makes me laugh. Yeah, I love Very that one good. too. That was my potato reference at the beginning of the episode here. Was, yeah, as he like happens before that. He reaches yeah. the potato over to Trip, and Trip actually eats the potatoes. So I don't know. But I think I, what I like about Flocks and why I love that scene so much is, you know, we're going to talk about it. I'm sure somebody's got it on the list. I purposely didn't put it on my mind, but on my list. But he's an optimistic character, you know? He looks for the good in every situation. He's fascinated by everything. He's enjoying what he's doing, and nothing bothers him. And, like, this is one of those situations. He's like, she smells like this. Have you seen him eat? They're going to mate. Like, I don't know. It's awesome. I love Flock so much because he's so positive and that's what i like about enterprise like travis mayweather he's also such a very positive character you know and it's it, i don't know it's that's one of the things that i really enjoy about enterprise so yeah you stole one right off my list but that's okay <laughs> uh but 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 what i love about it too is that yeah he's, he's so curious about these things and he has like absolutely none of the you know hesitation or worries about what he says that 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 humans do either, you know, now or apparently in the time of enterprise, because Tucker would be very uncomfortable saying something like that. But he's, he's saying all of these things because he's on this human ship and he just loves all of the things going on and has no idea, you know, what people will, will think about it. He's just totally, completely open and honest. I don't think he ever holds anything back for what he's going to say. And I just love that. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right, Brandon. So, well, I mean, actually, we're going to we may have some crossover and with especially with the listeners favorite moments, we've got some double mentions. So, yeah, we'll read the listener ones at the end. But, you know, one of mine's that's fine that one of mine's taken. So I, I'll read my honorable mentions at the end. But uh, why don't you go okay. ahead, Floyd, with your first choice there? OK, well, my my first one, one of the very first things that I thought of is actually a non-speaking moment. And it's I think it's from Doctor's Orders where he um he's having to take care of the ship and the crew are all asleep and he's feeding one of his menagerie 
he, he drops something in the menagerie and then he kind of, he pulls another one out and he's about to drop it in. He looks at it and he just eats it like that. That's so <laughs> awesome. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. As soon as I thought of Dr. Flox, that's the first thing I thought of. I don't know why it's not even a speaking thing. It was just his, the way he just like, Hmm, that looks good. I think I'll try that. Yep. But that actually kind of goes with what you all were saying that the way he was in the mess hall. I guess at that point in the episode, he's he's by supposedly by himself on the ship, right? Right. But I, I thought that was one of one of my honorable mentions actually for I think later on when he comes into sick bay and he's completely yes. naked feeding his animals. That's one of my honorable mentions too. <laughs> That's on my list. That's my next choice is when he's walking around the ship naked. Yes. That's my next choice. So. Yeah. <laughs> But 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 that that's also the one where he's he's just sitting by himself in the mess hall watching a movie, eating a bowl of popcorn with this huge smile on his face, and he's jogging around the ship, singing in Denobulin while Porthos runs behind him. He's just, at least before things get crazy, he's just having such a good time even being by himself. That's how optimistic right. he yeah. is. So, Brandon, that was one on your list there. So did you think it was odd that he was okay with streaking around the ship even though he kind of has an, a, a thing with being nude in public? I don't know. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great part of his character. So, um, I mean, if there's anybody here for Vancouver, like, I don't know, like, this is maybe TMI for people, but there's a nude beach in Vancouver that I frequented a lot in my youth. So, I don't know. I could. Secret coming out. I could picture myself doing that. I'm like, everybody's asleep? Whatever. You can walk around naked. (laughs) Right? Who needs clothes? That's all temperature controlled. Right? Well, you know, thinking about that, his world is crowded right there's a there it's very it's is it crowded or not crowded mm-hmm. i can't remember i think it's very crowded it's a huge population i there. think it's crowded okay. yeah and i think they talk about in some of the books too that it's okay extremely crowded. so then him having that like running but being in the ship t- totally alone instead of being a bad thing he saw it as a vacation you know and then yeah. the chance to be able to walk around yeah. naked <laughs> i still couldn't do that though you know Ooh, I haven't done this. I, I couldn't either because I, I would be like, I don't know, this this feels weird. What if somebody wakes up all of a sudden for some reason and comes in here? You're just you dreaming. Know? You're just I dreaming. I wouldn't be able to do it, but right. I know. It didn't really I happen. I had this weird dream, still... Flux, that when I woke up, you were naked. No, no, it was just a dream. <laughs> Very good. All right, Justin, yep. so what is your moment number two? Let's see. So, yeah, my, my second moment, I don't know if I'll steal this from someone else. It's from... Uh, Two Days and Two Nights, which is the one on, on Ryza, but, but the scenes in the episode where they have where Mayweather has this, I think, allergic reaction or something, and they have to wake up flocks and they wake him up from hibernation. And and he just starts like gibbering in Denobulin and and he, he starts talking, you know, like, Why'd you wake me up? and what's going on? And and later on he's he's in sick bay and he's calling Mayweather captain, he's calling Tapal captain, he doesn't know how to use the the instruments and and uh, but actually I think my favorite part of that whole thing um, is when he tells Cutler that they need regulin bloodworms and she says oh is it this one or this one and he says no we need fresh ones and he goes over to the to the console to contact the bridge and he says we need to go to Regulus maximum warp <laughs> very good oh, he's just so hilarious in that whole set of scenes where he's he's just kind of in a stupor and hibernation but in the end he does his job and that's what's cool about flocks too he's gonna do his job as a doctor even if he's totally messed up and doesn't even know what's going on 
Very good. Very good. And that was actually uh, some listeners on Facebook had that down as the hibernation cycle. Uh, like James Goodeve said when he was forcibly awoken from his uh, hibernation cycle. And then there was a, in one of the groups, they actually posted a YouTube clip so everybody could see like the whole scene of mm-hmm. him having to be woken up. And that was, it's hilarious. I, you know, I, I, I actually watched that. I rewatched that scene today just so I could remember all the stuff that happens. And there's this point at which, you know, Cutler puts, I guess, a hypo spray to Flox's neck to wake him up. And she's like, is this working? And then all of a sudden, Flox is like, ah, what's going on? And it really seems like the actress who's playing Cutler is genuinely like surprised and freaked out. Like she didn't know when he was going to do that. So she's like, ah, what's going on? So I just, I don't know. I, I love At that. The part end of it he doesn't too. even like inject himself too. Like he's like she injects him a couple times and then at the end doesn't he inject himself too at one point in I that don't scene think I think so. I don't know maybe I'm thinking of something else but <laughs> but yeah it's it's great and the fact that denobulans have this hibernation cycle I think is a really intriguing aspect to their species that we don't I don't think see elsewhere where they have to hibernate like a couple days a year or something like that so I think that part's cool too very good so Brandon are we at moment number two for you. Or have we already no, my s- number two was flocks naked on the ship. Okay, so we skipped on that. All right, so my number, my moment number two, is actually it was the confronting the Vulcan psychiatric analyst Farat that was posing as a doctor uh, that was questioning Archer in season two's The Expanse, and that is another thing that when I thought of flocks. He was always, he was optimistic and always jovial and like, you know, like a really, the nice uncle kind of guy, you know, the guy that you always want to go talk to and things like that. But if you crossed him, he had a temper, you know, he did, he was very businesslike and very professional and he heard the uh, questioning that was going on. And I actually, when I watch that now, I watch for flocks. Like I'm not really paying attention so much to the conversation that's going on, but I'm looking over the shoulder and when they show flocks directly, I like, I'm looking for flocks to see when he's like, when it, when it starts getting annoying to him, you know, and the face that he makes as he turns to go look at the monitor and then he turns around and confronts the, the psych, it was a psychiatric analyst because they were, the Vulcans were trying to figure out if Archer was crazy for suggesting that something was from the future that there was like a piece of the probe from the future. So Mm -hmm. that actually, I mean, a lot of people are, you know, they all mention like the positive things and and Phlox is great, but for some reason, I guess because that was kind of not his character, not in his character. And that really stood out to me. So what would you guys think about that? Well, that, well, that's interesting because I didn't think about that moment at all. I mean, honestly, it's been a little while since I've, I've rewatched enterprise. So I didn't remember that moment. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a different, I, actually the next moment I have when we get to it is, is kind of a different side of his, his character, because I think a lot of times people think that he's this jovial, optimistic guy and he's, you know, he makes you laugh, but he has his other sides too. Right. Did you remember that Brandon? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I was trying to, I was thinking it was something else and then I'm like, well, no, I think it's this other scene here, but, uh, which episode was it again? It was the expanse. It was right after Archer had had proven or shown that piece a piece oh, yeah, of the yeah, yeah, probe yeah, yeah. was from the future, and yes, they, yes, yes. Uh, the the Vulcan sent someone over to check on him. He looked up to see, why. and he's like, "Oh no, that you don't actually work in that position, do you?" Right, right. 
Yeah, he was he was saying that he, you know that his name, and then he were I don't I don't even remember why he was looking Archer over, like he was looking him over for some reason. I can't even remember why he was even doing that. I need to go back and watch that episode again, but uh, it ended up while he was doing the physical am- examination, he was actually questioning him, you know, and and the questions were very blunt. So that mm-hmm. that was a standout moment for me. So Justin, what was your moment number three? Well, for my third moment, um, I have something from the season two episode, The Breach, uh, which is the episode where there's they encounter a ship uh, that has an Antaran, and they're uh, they've been adversaries for the with the Denobulans for a really long time, um, and the guy needs to be treated, but he's refusing to be treated by by Flocks because he's a Denobulan, and Flocks is trying to convince him to to get treated. But there's a couple moments I. I like in there because it, it kind of shows Flox's really, um, really reflective side. Um, so I, I just have something here for, for a conversation that he's having with, with T'Pol. Uh, so, so Flox is saying, when I was quite young, I wanted to take a trip to an arboreal planet near our system. It was a park of sorts with a great variety of exotic animal life. Some friends and I had planned the journey for months, but a week before I was supposed to leave, one of my grandmothers took me aside and told me I couldn't go. Why not? She said the planet was tainted. Antarans had lived there once. Even though they'd been gone for years, she believed the place had been spoiled by their presence. Did you go? No. But when I had children of my own, I took them there. I was determined not to raise them as I was raised. I just love that that story that he tells and that he acknowledges like I couldn't get over that at the time, but I'm going to make sure this doesn't continue into the next generation, um, and that my children can get past that uh, and you know get beyond their prejudice and live the lives they want. I just I just like that. I think it's it's kind of a, a beautiful story that that he tells there and his determination to to do better um, is you know one of the things that I love about Flocks as well. Yeah, that's a great episode. There's so much in that episode that's really powerful, you know. And, you know, the when he's talking to, I don't remember the character's name, but when he's telling, he tells that story, a similar story to the the guy that's dying as well about his son. Is, you know, like it's a really powerful, powerful side to Flocks. And that's another great thing about him. And one of my, one, my next mention here is a very powerful moment for Flocks as well. But uh, I, I think that he's because he's this alien character he can give us this really good perspective on a lot of issues you know comedic as well as serious yeah for sure and i that's one of the things i like is that that non-human perspective actually when i was thinking recently about all of my favorite star trek characters they're all non-human i love spock and data and kira and the doctor and and flocks because they have this this other perspective and we can see things you know, through, through different eyes and really reflect on ourselves. Yeah, me too. Very good. So Brandon, what is your moment number three? Um, so my last one here, I mean, it's from similitude. Uh, so I knew it wasn't going to be on Justin's list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because I made that comment that, uh, it's, it hasn't connected with me. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, all the interaction that he has with Sim, but specifically the the moment itself that is the best one is when Sim comes in to do the surgery and Sim says, you're a damn good father. And, and Flux says, you were a damn good son. That just rips my heart out. Every time Flux says that you were a damn good son, like, oh, 
painful, painful. I love it. And that was my moment number three also. That was uh, – Ah, took I could, one from I you. Could say, I could say just about <laughs> any scene from Similitude, you know, like when he's taking care of the baby and when he's sitting on the floor with him. and But that that scene – well, that whole scene is just awesome, I think. Like when you when he walks in and he's talking to him and he's telling him he's ready and then he walks over and he pulls the, the curtain back, you know, and tells Trip, you know, basically, you know, you owe me one, you know. But yeah, when he says that to Flox and Flox is swallowing, you know, like a tear, you know, down, that's mm-hmm. that is very moving. So yeah, that is a great, great moment. Yeah. Very good. So the an honorable mention that I have is uh, basically I said, well, actually, honestly, my honorable mentions have already been taken because I said uh, any scene in with Flocks and T'Pol in the mess hall. So we pretty much already, we've covered that. You know, like in Broken Bow, he reaches over and he pulls her celery off her, her, her plate. You know, and the look on her face, you know, as he's just eat, trying it out without, oh, may I? He's already got it like in his mouth by the time he asks if he can have it. You know, and then... Uh, also, I had the walking around naked. That was that was in my honorable mention. So, Justin, what did you have for honorable mention? Well, one of my honorable mentions, I think it's it's one of my favorite scenes with with Flocks for sure. So, in the episode Home in season four, after they come back from fighting the the Zindi, um, there you know there's there's resentment toward toward aliens on Earth and. It's uh, let's see Mayweather and Reed and and Flocks in a bar, and two guys start you know making trouble and and saying they I think they're saying that they think Flocks should leave, and so they start fighting. And I love that Flocks's response is to inflate his face, and it stops the fight cold, and they leave. I just think that's awesome that that in this you know nonviolent way he's like stop it I'm inflating my face, and they just kind of disappear i think that's awesome it's this bizarre defense mechanism that a species (laughs) has like had like it just makes you think okay so what type of what type of animals were chasing them down and hunting them that they needed this as a defense mechanism right right? like at some point in their history so yeah that was one of my article mentions too yeah (laughs) it makes me think of like a puffer fish the way it can can blow up so that's exactly what uh that's exactly what dan gunther co-host of literary trek said to the uh facebook post he called it puffer flick puffer fish flocks in home obviously is one of his favorite moments. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I wrote it down too. Was pufferfish face? <laughs> very good, very good. And then Brandon, what did you have on honorable mentions? Uh, so I had the pufferfish face, but uh, two I haven't seen them yet. But uh, obviously, from Broken Bow is big smile, optimism, Captain. Yes, it's definitely one of my honorable mentions. I'm sure a few people on Facebook said that. Yep. And yeah, that was that's like his signature to me. That's that's his signature. You know, anytime someone yeah, wants to it. say, you know, well, what's this flocks about? Here, watch this clip. You know, <laughs> that's <Yep>. him. <laughs> and then uh, nobody said the chasing the bat sequence in uh, Night and Sick Bay. That was one of my other ones. <laughs> I just didn't have a chance to to, to mention that. I, it's so I, I, ludicrous. I it is kind of crazy, and he has like this this pole with this paper hawk on it, and he's gonna flap it and make this sound. He's like, <laughs> rrr, rrr. it's just hilarious to watch. Of course, it doesn't yes. work, but. Well, I love the, that one uh, too. the listeners' favorite moments actually mentioned Anand in Sick Bay quite a bit. So I'll, I'll just run down really quickly. There were there were 
thank you so much for listing those. And so quickly you all filled up the comment section of those posts so fast. And I, unfortunately, I mean, that would be a whole other show, you know, talking about how awesome Flox is. Maybe that might be a whole other show, but just running through some highlights here of like main themes that many people were talking about. Like Ano Flynn said, I love his little interactions with his animals in the sick bay. Everything has a use and everything is lovely cared, lovingly cared for. And several people mentioned like his animals. Uh, Dan Gunther had mentioned that he really liked the take charge attitude and resourcefulness and divergence. And a, a few people actually mentioned that also. And Heather Barker mentions when Archer and Flox are discussing Flox's polyamorous and polygamous lifestyle in a night in sick bay. And a night in sick bay was mentioned many, many times as being like many people mention it as their favorite episode. And I think when we actually met, talked about life in sick bay, somebody didn't like it or a night in sick bay. They didn't really like it, but uh, that was mentioned as like I think a, a favorite lot of people episode say of they Enterprise. don't like it, but I love it. Right. I, I kind of like it just for the laughs, I guess. I don't know. But she said, although enterprise did an overall disservice to polyamory by using it as a gimmick or a joke, this moment where Flox's lifestyle is accepted without questions or judgment by a Starfleet captain stands out. And I agree. I agree, Heather, that actually they did a really good job with that particular scene. Not so much with the other because it was kind of a joke to talk about Flox's wives and all those things. You know, kind of they kind of brought it in as a joke. But that uh, I thought they did a good job with that because uh, Bacula just played it, you know, just straight up like, OK, these are just two guys talking. This is just a normal thing that we're talking about here. Um, and then Heather Barker, she gets a plus one for stretching my uh, pronunciation and vocabulary on this one. So thank you so much, Heather. <laughs> uh, Mike Morrison, co-host of Metatrex and co-associate producer of Warp 5, he mentioned that he loved the bond that uh, Flox had with Sim because he was just like a dad, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, Chrissy Zilagi, I'm sorry, Chrissy, if I messed up your best last name. Uh, you can't miss when his wife was hitting on trip and flock said he should sleep with her. <laughs> and several people mentioned that also. Uh, <laughs> Toddy Wasapi said that the whole, the whole, a night in sick bay was fantastic, that she loved the grossest things. It was disgusting and hilarious. Nick Astacio said too many moments, which actually a lot of people just posted said too many moments to mention. I don't even want to pick a favorite because there's so many, uh, he said, Flock's such a perfect blend of many Trek character staples. The discussion between him and Archer at the end of Dear Doctor was one of his moments. The episode where he deals with his own cultural preconceptions and xenophobia is classic Trek, and that was in The Breach, which we mentioned earlier. And his early series of movie date moments are also awesome. So thank you so much for those of you that wrote in. I know there were so many more of you that wrote in and thank you so much and also any of your listeners that are hearing please uh post on the facebook post to this or you can hit us with a twitter uh or you can actually send us an email of what were your favorite flocks moments and we'd love to see what you think about it and share it please and those of you that have already posted on this post uh, i'm sure there are others that you might want to post on our facebook announcements so justin Final thoughts on favorite moments of flocks. So th this was a hard assignment, don't you agree? Yeah, I think it. I think it was difficult, but I'm glad we came up with some choices. Although, sorry, I took some away from you. It's fine. And, uh, they're all my favorites. <laughs> but no, there are a lot of there are a lot of 
Yeah. I mean, they're, they're all great moments, but I think, you know, again, people think of flocks as, you know, this optimism and, and, uh, and someone who's really funny, but he does have other sides, you know, moving sides or contemplative sides. I think it's a really well-rounded character. You get to learn a lot about him. There's a lot of memorable moments. I don't think anybody, even if they don't like enterprise, I don't think they can say if they've seen flocks that he's not a memorable character. He's great. John Billingsley does an amazing job and it's been fun talking about my favorite enterprise Very character good. and Brandon, what, what did you think when you were having to narrow it down to three? What, what do you think about this assignment? Oh, there were so many. It was, there was a lot. Like I wanted to put down that one with, you know, that one from Broken Bow with T'Pol and the celery. And, you know, that's a great scene too. And I don't know. It's just, he he's such a great character. He's definitely my favorite character on Enterprise. And I'm glad we got him and, and he's a lot of fun. And, and uh, I like watching Fox episodes whenever I get the chance. Very good. Yeah, this was this was fun. This was fun. Just because just thinking back of Flocks and doing a little research and watching some scenes and it's he's just entertaining. He's just so entertaining. Uh Billingsley did a great job. I think the writers did a good job with his character. And yeah. I mean, I was looking at my three choices after Justin mentioned that there are so many sides to Flocks, and I actually picked a funny side, a serious mean side. And a like a kind of a, a emotional side, so that I that was by accident that those actually stood out like mm-hmm. that. But you, he's he's everything in between. I mean, the guy he can go from emotional and mad to is extremely happy and optimistic. So he's he's just a great character. I really like Flox, but. Flocks is not the only thing we've been talking about on Trek FM this week, so here's what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, the ready room. So all this We gave about- the pilot all we had, and then we yeah. ran into some problems with episode two, and we told everyone, like, just throw something on the page, take a vacation, come back, and in episode five, we'll just... These guys out from all access from are calling me every 15 <laughs> minutes. How's it going? How's it going? How's it going? Standard orbit. Apollo has been at this for thousands and thousands of years. He knows the human mind, knows the human heart. You know, that, that old, there's an old expression, right? That uh, old age and treachery beats youth and inexperience six days a week and twice on Sunday. I'm going to take the old age of Apollo in this and find a way to, to outwit Gary Mitchell and put Apollo on top. Meta tricks. But Pulaski immediately chimes in and says, speaking of Pulaski, she immediately chimes in and says, I have a problem with that kind of rigidity. It seems callous and cowardly. She calls Worf a coward. Yeah, and if she were any other man, he'd kill her where she stands. (laughs) Stage 9, a podcast about the people who make Star Trek. I don't know what the format of the show is, but I assume we... Pick something and talk about how it's bad. <laughs> or talk about how it's good. That seems a lot easier. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad, Apple TV, or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they are published. And while you're there, please leave us a star rating and written review. And if you're not an Apple's user, we've got you covered. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, 
Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and most third-party apps. And you can also stream and download the MP3 file or grab the RSS link from our website. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, to get all the details. There are all kinds of perks. Uh, you can start with, uh, you can, I mean, you can give us $1 a month. And that would help us so much if we, just, if we had even half the people that were listening to our podcast just did $1 a month. For the great Trek content that you get, that would help our network out greatly. If you jump up to $5 a month, you get access to the patron zone. And if you step it up a little bit, you can get to $15 a month. You actually get to do the patrons roundtable where you actually get to be on your a podcast. You get to be a guest on a podcast. And if you go all the way up to $25 a month, you can actually be an associate producer of a show. So, Brandon, you are on the patron zone. So, uh, what can our listeners look forward to seeing if they go to the if they haven't been there in a little bit? Oh, there's lots of early releases that are up there, and some exclusive content. We got some exclusive commentaries that are there, and some little deleted scenes that we sometimes take out of an episode here and there. So, lots of fun stuff for you there. Some wallpaper things like that. And we'll appreciate all your support, any support that you could give us. Again, you'll find all the details at Patreon.com/trekfm. Also, if you'd like to wear your Trek.fm fandom, you can find great Trek.fm theme merchandise at Trek.fm.store. So at this time, I always like to thank our co-associate producers that support our show and the network through Patreon, Mike Morrison, Tim Cooper, and Justin Oser. Justin, thank you so much for being an co- associate producer. And we, like we mentioned earlier, we have a new associate producer, Mark Flessa. Thank you so much, Mark, for uh, being an associate producer of Warp 5. Thank you so much. Also, like to thank Tony Robinson for creating the very cool show art for our releases and for our shows, and Brandon, of course, for editing and publishing Warp Five. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So, Justin, if our listeners would like to uh, maybe comment about some of the choices that you made for your favorite moments, or share with you their favorite moments, how could I get in touch with you? Well, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at TrekFan4747, where I tweet about nothing but Star Trek, and I'm currently tweeting my TNG rewatch. I'm on season two right now. And you can also find me hanging around the Babel Conference on Facebook. And Brandon, if our listeners would like to ask you about some of the choices that you made or like maybe tell them what they would like, what their favorite moments are, how could they get in touch with you? Well, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Brandon Metella. I poke my head up every once in a while in the Babel Conference. And you can find me over on the Fandom Podcast Network, where I do a show called Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast with my friends Chris and Tom. And I've got a couple episodes left of Melodic Treks, which will be wrapping up very soon. That's here on Trek FM, and it's all about the music of Star Trek. And Floyd, where can people find you when you're not walking around the ship naked? Great. Uh, if you'd like to uh, talk to me, you can find me in the Babel conference. Uh, I usually don't, I'm not in there naked, but you know, sometimes maybe, I don't know, but yeah, I'm in the Babel conference, the Trek FM listeners page on Facebook. So boomers, thank you so much for listening and join us again next time for another episode of warp five.
Heather Barker mentions uh, when Archer and Phlox are discussing Phlox's polyamorous and polygamous. Is it gamous or gamous? Polygamous lifestyle in a night in sickbay. Although Enterprise, Mm -hmm. what was that? Polygamous. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's. hey let's edit that out all right all right let me start over nope (laughs) yes we're editing that (laughs) forget who has control oh my gosh i was i didn't even i didn't even look at the second word i was only looking at the first word okay all right here we go here we go (laughs) 